is the fourth part podcast, a podcast made by Freemasons to be enjoyed by all. The opinions of the hosts and the guests are their own and do not reflect any Grand Lodge stance or opinion. And now here are your hosts, the grumpiest past master and the OG Danielson. All right, welcome to the fourth part podcast. I'm your host, the grumpiest past master, and I'm here with my co-host, brother. I'm up. <laughs> the OG Daniel son. And we also have worshipful brother, Frank John Sforza. Introduce yourself, brother. How do you do? <laughs> Good evening, everyone. My name is Frank Sforza. I'm a worship master at Lumberg Mass Peak Lodge, uh, 822 in Nassau District, meeting in Rockville Center. Uh, past master at Lumberg, uh, South Shore Long Beach Lodge, number 1126. Also in Rockford Center in the Nassau District. And you're missing one thing. I'm missing a lot of things. I didn't want to like nah, go off. read you go a off. list of what let's I do. Go, go for it. You want to hear everything? Yes, yeah, let's off the bat. It. Yeah, let's off hear it. Bat. It's going to be a long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brothers. Um, Blue Lodge, right? Mm-hmm. School of Instruction, President of School of Instruction, second time, past secretary, past vice president. Um, Scottish Rite. Most wise, ma- current most wise master, Long Island chapter of Rose Croy. We just did the Feast of the Paschal Lamb this weekend. Which I'm sorry I missed that, by the way. That's right. Next time. Next time. Yeah. Every year. It's, a, it's an amazing event. It's a free. It's a wonderful dinner open to families. It puts, it does one of the best jobs of putting the best foot forward of masonry, like to the public. It's outstanding. And this year was really good. You know, it was really good. They had like almost 90 people there. So it was good. Um, I'm a member of Nassau Commandery and Trinity Commandery in Astoria. I'm a member of North Shore Council Royal and Select Masters in Oyster Bay. I'm serving as Captain of the Guard in the Suffolk Council, Suffolk 76. That meets out in Connecticut Lodge in Suffolk County, Sable there. I'm a member of Freeport Chapter Royal Arch Masons. I'm not really active there because they meet on my Blue Lodge night. I go to Melchizedek Chapter. I'm going there tomorrow night, Monday night, not, not tomorrow night. What else we got? What's that? Uh, oh, Grotto. Uh, Your Grotto. Yeah, I, I, I was waiting for the Grotto. Of, uh, member of Kismet Shrine. I, I, yeah, we've all seen <laughs> and, uh, red fezes, but the, the I'm a member of uh, Azim Grotto, number seven, the handsomest Grotto in the realm. Hence, hence the good looks. <laughs> they don't just let they don't just let anybody in there. And um, because I was so handsome, and I was because <laughs> Long Island was so far away from the Bronx, they decided that they were going to take me, and they said, Frank. I want you to start a grotto on Long Island. And I was like, you want me to start a grotto on Long Island? I, I, don't have, I don't have what it takes. I can't do it. Who am I? Sounding very feminine. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, and then Victor Mann patted me on the shoulder and he says, you have what it takes. It's right here. And he showed me where it was. And I said, I'm not comfortable with uh, frontal male nudity, sir. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. Victor said, you could do it. And I did it. And went out. I found out how to do it. I went and I put together the best officer team that I possibly could in the Nassau district and uh, opened this grotto up. And now we're like blowing up. It's a big grotto. It's doing well. What's the name of that grotto, bro? Liar Grotto. L-I-E-R. Liar. The name. When you start your grotto, you make up the name. But you can't just like randomly pick a name. You have to research it. It has to be biblical. And you have to like write a paper and submit the paper. And um, very rarely will a name get rejected. But... Mm -hmm. It does take thought, and they appreciate the, the Supreme Council, the governing body of Grotto. Right. They appreciate when you uh, 
put some effort into it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like liar is kind of cool. Liar in, uh, in Idu, it's a language spoken in Pakistan. In Idu, it means to conceal or to like lie and concealing, right? Like if you're lying and something down. Um, there's a Belgian, there's a Belgian town called Lyre, or it might be pronounced like Lear. I'm not mm-hmm. really sure, but it's the same spelling, L-I-E-R. And um, in in French, in French, Lyre means to bind. So a lot of us that started Lyre Grotto are from Azim Grotto, the mm-hmm. handsomest grotto in the realm. So we decided to become the tightest grotto in the realm. So we're the tightest grotto in the realm. Hence our uh, our, our, our starfish emblem <laughs> brother javier ramirez gets the shout out for that <laughs> the starfish now what what brought you to grotto initially because oh, that's man. something that a lot of brothers are very unfamiliar with especially the history well i saw that black fez and i was like i need to have one of those but um really i was uh, i noticed that masonry is a very serious masonry is very sacred and there needed to be a place where you can like let loose have fun have a good time, still have fellowship, and expand, expand your Masonic horizons. Went to Grotto, checked it out. They, when they took me through that ceremonial, I was just, I was just overwhelmed, taken aback because of how great it was. It was so funny and outrageous, and the people did not take it seriously at all. It was just playing around. They just kind of mess around with it through it, and um, even the actors were like really, really good. And I said, "This is a great degree." And, uh, you know, they say, oh, it's not a degree. It's not part of craft masonry. Well, that's fine. It's still a very good, you want to call it a play. Ritual. Right? Yeah, ritual. Yeah. But um, we do a shortened version, but it's still very, very good. The full ceremonial that you can, that you really, grottos don't really put on, they put them on as like special events, is seven acts, and it takes no less than four hours. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. And uh, 30 cast members, believe it or not, 30 cast members. So, so it's not a joke. The, the, for the brothers that aren't familiar with the grotto, could you give us a brief history? Absolutely. Um, the grotto is, is kind of like a short or a term that we use to describe M-O-V-P-E-R, Mystical Order, Veiled Prophets of the Enchanted Realm. The, the Mystical Order is this, the, the organization. The Enchanted Realm is the world that we live in, and the Veiled Prophets will be our. You know? The Veiled Prophet was the Prophet Mokana. He was a prophet of Islam. At the time, Islam was closer to like Zoroasterism. You know, I'm sure you yes. heard of that. It's kind of the precursor to all your Abrahamic religions. Um, and so this, this prophet didn't want, didn't want Islam killing Jews or Islam killing Christians or anybody killing anybody. He believed in love and treating each other with respect and kindness and like knowing that we were this. So he was the veil prophet because he had a, uh, a veil over his face. He had these really, it, there's two stories. He either got burned, which I believe the burned came from when he was burned alive, when he was died, when he was killed, eventually he was killed. But um, they say he had like black smallpox and it like caused his face to be. So his message wasn't getting out there because the people were paying attention to his face. Right. So he wore this veil all the time. He was the veiled prophet Mokana. Anyway, I don't know how long later this uh, Indian play comes along, and it's called Lala Rook, and uh, Lala Rook has Mokana in it and a bunch of like. Um, Various parts that you guys are going to learn about once you get the grotto together. But that's what inspired the ceremonial that we do, which is very much a very much a journey, that you, just like a hero's journey that you take in all your degrees, so to speak. Very much a hero's journey where a man is, his life, right, his, his life in the enchanted realm is interrupted by multiple assailants, similar to, I guess, in the 
you know, third degree drama, you know, mm -hmm. in that way. But they're not like trying to like off them. Mm -hmm. They are, they are spiritually, mm -hmm. spiritually speaking, the things that men in real life deal with every day: suicide, depression, anxiety, stress, like these these demons that attack us. You know, like how are you going to react as a man when you're when you're um you you just work twenty hours and you're you're home finally. And your daughter calls you from the road and says, I got a flat tire. I don't know what to do. And she's a half hour away. You got to wake up in two hours. You, know, you got to be her piece. Yeah, yeah. So, like, how are you going to react as a man? Or, or when you, um, you meet the guy who was talking to your wife inappropriately, how are you going to act as a man? Like, this, this is a lot to that, right? Like, you have to really think about it. How yeah. does a mason act? How does a man act? Right, because it all depends really on what. It depends on who that person is. It's not a game. You know? That's one of those things that we forget, though, to utilize. You know, a lot of times we're masons in lodge. But you forget to be a mason in the real world and use those teachings. Guilty. Yeah, right. I mean, right. it happens. It happens to churchgoers. It happens to anybody. You know, you forget. It's easy to do it once you're in the environment, but to take that along with you once you leave those doors, that's where the teachings really hit home. Yeah. And I'm go going back to the history of Grotto. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, How to get started? Well, yeah, I'd like to touch on the brother that 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 kind of started because yeah. at one point it was almost lost. Yeah, man. Well, you're talking about restarted, right? Okay, but um, real quick, the history of Grotto. Uh, a little crew of brothers, Hamilton, New York, and they were in a lodge up there, and they were getting ready. They, they formed a committee mm -hmm. to create a Royal Arch degree. They were going to put on the Royal Arch degree, so they get this committee together. And so, as they're putting together the committee, they have like a lot of fun together. They enjoy each other's company. They're like enjoying it. They're really having a good time doing this. And so um, they start playing practical jokes on one another, and they're making fun of each other, busting each other's balls, et cetera, et cetera. They get to really liking each other. Remember, lodges back then were much bigger. They just, they just were. There was more brothers to go around. You know, now a committee is, you know, investigation committee, okay, me and you, we're going to go to his house and check it out. It doesn't exist anymore. Right. Like, if everybody talks about committees. They're not done right anymore. Nonetheless, um, Hamilton Lodge, they set up this degree. They, they get to liking each other. Even after the degree's over, they keep hanging out with each other. And eventually, the the, uh, the leader of the pack is this guy, Leroy Fairchild. And uh, they become the Fairchild Devil Tree Committee. Everybody else, other lodges are seeing what's going on as they're meeting as this Fairchild Committee. Um, other lodges are seeing this, and they want to get in on it, too. So they decide to form the first Supreme Council of Grotto in Hamilton, New York. And so... Grotto started springing up. New York is the birthplace. Azim is number seven. La La Rook is number three. Um, there's a bunch of upstate New York in Rochester. In uh, what's the time period around this? It's just like around this is when, 1890. So this is like around the same time. Um, the shrine, right around the same shrine, about 30 years later. Wow. 30 years. The reason Grotto like kind of grew up. Shrine at for a moment. You know the history of shrine. Obviously, right. you guys, the shrine is shrine for a moment. Um, you had to be a 32nd degree or a Knights Templar. To, to so, so join three other bodies right. before you could become... And also at the time you had to, to, to be in the York right, you had to be a past master. So like you either like had to... Prestige. Yeah. You, yeah, you had to be well far into your Masonic journey to be able to even join one of those rites to be able to even then be able to join the shrine. You know, that's obviously changed nowadays because they realize, you know, there's only so many hours in the day, mm. you know. And I say that to you. You've you've packed a lot of masonry in your life. Yeah, I'm gonna talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, but it it was good uh, from the little bit of research I did about the grotto. I, I'm gonna let you continue on sure. on that. But that's why, pretty much it. Yeah. 
that they were able to say, all right, listen, we need something for just like, I don't want to use the word common man because in, in Mason, we don't look at any one per- brother as a common man. But, yeah, like, but that's what it was. Yeah. You know, poor it was man like, shrine. Yeah, it was, like, it was know, a, the working man. man. It was, it was like, a lack of a better term. The poor man shrine was <laughs> right. a playground in Masonry. It was an opportunity for these brothers to do this. And it blew up. It blew up. It got real big. Like, very similar. There's clown units. Grottos fit um, now, nowadays, as they as the grottos popping up. They fit what a Masonic district usually or an area is kind of missing. Sometimes they take the place of lodges when there's no lodges in certain distances. But um, oftentimes, more often than not, they're in like your, your cities or, or outside cities where there's like your lodges a little far away or um, or like the lodges there are very strict and they like don't like allow alcohol or, or whatever it is. Yeah, there's a lot of dry jurisdictions yeah, around the country. But so. they fit, they fit like, it fits the need of a jurisdiction usually, like a need of a certain area. I think it's a perfect fit for New York and Long Island specifically. Babylon as well. You know, yeah, <laughs> especially Babylon. Just yeah. just because we're, you know, in, in Masonry's like quest to have younger brothers, and I consider everybody in this room to be younger brothers, you know, we're under the age of 50, mm. you know, is a younger brother for Masonry. Ultimately, it'd like to be to say younger brothers under the age of 40 or 30, you know, but not so young anymore. Yeah, I mean, right, I mean, right. I'm I'm pushing, I'm getting getting close. I'm gonna be 38 soon, but you know, it's uh, I think the social aspect is needed in masonry because I've I've said this before a million times. People join masonry for a multitude of reasons, mm-hmm. and it may evolve through their life. They're gonna join because they might be into charity. They might just want to get out of the house on a, one night of the week. They want to you know have a drink with the boys, go out and have a cigar, have a meeting, just hang out with some guys. It might be the rituals, the esoteric stuff, you know, and so on and so on and so on. But that may evolve through your life. And not all lodges are able to provide that, what I think, what the shrine tries to do sometimes, and what the grotto is able to do is that, like, that true just go out, let loose, and no thoughts, just have fun fellowship. That's it. You know, and it's a good outlet, you know, because there's so much going on in a blue lodge to try to then take on the burden of planning massive, unending social events, it becomes too much. Mm. And you may only have a group of, you know, we're fortunate in Babylon, we have a decent-sized group of younger guys wanting to do that, but you may have in some lodges, you may only have, like, five or six active guys that are younger that want to go out on a Friday night or a Saturday night and, you know, go have a good time. But now you put a grotto out there, now you're pulling from all the lodges around that area, now you've got a large group of brothers going out under one flag, the grotto flag. It creates a, it creates avenues, um, and I think that's essential for masonry because a lot of times we do put too much pressure on the Blue Lodge. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of guys want to join it for charity or camaraderie or the esoteric nature of it. And these little, these groups, I shouldn't say little, but these, these different um, sects allows you to kind of focus your attention to, okay, the grotto's camaraderie, um, and yeah. masonry, blue lodge masonry gives you those four things like you're talking about. You know, masonic education, your your um, your ritual, right, and then your you know gives you the the, the, the fellowship and that fourth thing the, is the uh, what did I say? Camaraderie. I said the fellowship. I think you said camaraderie. Oh, the uh, philanthropy, philanthropy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So you have your history slash like esotericism, your mm-hmm. education, right? Your philanthropy, your brotherhood, and then your actual ritual, right? But like Grotto only concentrates on two of those things. Like yes, there is one great ritual, but sympathy and good fellowship. We worried about our our charity. Our charity is the humanitarian foundation. 
it is a great charity. Now, the Shriners have like an incredible charity, right? But let me tell you how great Grotto's charity is. Think about this. Any of your children autistic? No. No, special needs? No? Yeah, I was looking this up, so go ahead. I'm I, I, have, here, I have an old, I have, my oldest son is autistic, mm-hmm. and thank God he's high-functioning. The kid is a freaking great kid, all right? But I've seen through my, my travels, and I'll talk about that later if you like any of that. Absolutely. Um, but I've seen some incredibly sad stories, and it's like gives you almost post-traumatic stress from like the things you've seen, like young people just screaming in pain, like just not being able to control their their outward, their things, you know, like through... Throughout their like their regular day, you know, and um, it's so sad to think about a child growing up like that, right? So what we do, we provide dental care for these kids. These kids grow up sometimes without dental care because their parent might have multiple kids, and that kid he can't even brush his teeth, wow. let alone open his mouth long enough without biting somebody's finger. You know what I mean? Right. And so the den- dentist, they can't, they can't hold the kid down and do the dental work. It doesn't work that way. So they have to use special ways, special treatments. And so um, it, it, it requires a specialty. It's obviously going to cost some money. And Grotto International, the humanitarian foundation, through the sale of these enchanted lanterns. You see, I got one right here. These enchanted lanterns, $50 a pop. And uh, we pay for the dental work for kids with special needs. Down syndrome kids, uh, kids with autism, just various special needs. But uh, it's really a beautiful charity. It's amazing. Yeah. It allows you, too, to take a step back because, as you mentioned before, you know, a lot of times working, you're, you're, you're a, a vehicle for progress in the real world, right? You, you work, you dedicate so much to work, then the family, and then, you know, things like anxiety, and, and they overcome you, and you fall almost into a victim state right and then you these are the things that you revert back to mm-hmm. in your masonic journey where imagine being a parent to you know one of those kids and what are they going through how dare i you know have these feelings when i really don't have any reason to it will get past you know so that that's a beautiful thing that exposure and then also to on the on the parent side you get to offer that camaraderie to the parents and then they see this beautiful fraternity and what it offers to the world and it, it, it puts us in that positive light. It maybe even generates members going forward. Because anytime mm. I've seen somebody speak about the shrine, like Mr. Miyagi, yeah. something, you know, to, to that effect. I think where, he's one of us, right? Yeah. One yeah. of us. Yeah. It's too bad. Yeah. Too bad I never got to meet that old man. R.I.P., right? Yeah. Passed away. We, we could do that. We could do that. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. But no, it's essential to just dwell in the present. And to Mr. Miyagi, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's such a Frank Spools thing. Frank Spools on your podcast, you definitely toast Mr. Miyagi. There you go. And I'm, I'm Daniel's son, so. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're martial arts or no? No, no, no. You want, to, you want me to talk about martial arts for me? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, go for it. Bro. Anything. Martial arts. That's why we have you here. We want to hear, we hear it. Martial arts? Oh, no. <laughs> you do what? Jiu-jitsu? A lot of things, bro. A lot of things. Uh, I grew up, I was a wrestler from when I was four till like five minutes ago. And... Um, <laughs> I wrestled, uh, wrestled in Hearst High School, wrestled at uh, Nassau Community College. Um, like, right after college, kind of like the world fell apart for me. It was like, uh, I went through like a tumultuous time. Mm-hmm. You know, had a girlfriend, broke up with a girlfriend, get in trouble, like uh, job after job after job. That was like, a, it was a ruthless like incidents, right? A few years later, I tried to pick up the pieces and I started running marathons. I was running marathons, full marathons, half marathons, 10Ks, 5Ks, whatever I could do, just to, like, keep myself in shape, you know. And then um, 
I found Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu just kind of like kicked my ass. It was incredible. It was just a, it was really MMA. I started like an MMA gym. And um, I was one of the first members of this Long Island MMA. And uh, started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and training wrestling and helped teach wrestling. And then um, kickboxing and some Muay Thai a little bit here and there. And reg regular boxing as well. I was training at that gym for quite a while. Uh, I only I only just left like a few months back. Um, eventually my knee like gave out and I needed a new ACL. And then like at this point in my life, I was like, I need my body to be okay. And so I kind of just went away from from uh, any kind of like mixed martial arts. Now I just work out at like Blink Fitness. <laughs> what did that do for you, Clarity? This one, right, this one right here in uh, in Farmingdale. Oh, okay. But uh, I'm also I'm a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. That 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 I just completed uh, like three or four years ago. I got my brown belt, and then I kind of like essentially quit like a couple years after that without even advancing past that but uh and um in junior high from sixth grade till the ninth grade i was a uh i was in matsubashi shoenru karate and so that's like a very traditional okinawan karate system where i eventually got my brown belt and then i uh i literally sat down with my sensei my sensei my sensei my mother and me just like this and my sensei says to me your son looks really, I'm sorry, he says to my mother, your son looks really tired, like in class lately. What's going on? I said, oh, well, he has wrestling practice. Then he comes here. And then my, my sensei I kind of thought about it. I was like, he says to me, he goes, the hunter that follows two paths never catches the bird. <laughs> and he made me choose between wrestling and karate. And so I chose wrestling. And um, I never looked back. I don't really like the punching anyway. I don't like getting punched, you know. So like someone punches me, I want to take them down and hurt them. You know, <laughs> naturally, naturally. What did martial arts or any type of physical activities do for your mind? Because you seem like uh, you're always in there, bro. Yes. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It's a mentality thing, mm -hmm. completely. I have seen some incredible martial artists go out there to fight, and they cannot fight. Wow. And the truth is, it's like this. It's like, and, it, and I, I do the same thing now for ritual, which is like, we could talk about that a little bit, but. Um, it's like the switch that turns on and nothing inside you, there's not even a thought in your mind that you're gonna lose. So it's just a wrestler's mentality. It just comes with wrestling and and more, and you, you bring it into martial arts as a wrestler. That's why there's so many successful mixed martial artists that have wrestling backgrounds. It's just, it just it's something about it. Nothing in this world is gonna be harder in life than wrestling. And so this little switch turns off inside you, turns on inside you. And you're just like hyper focused on the task at hand. Is that like fight or flight or? No, it's not, bro. It's not. I'm completely in control when I'm out there. It might okay. seem like some craziness sometimes, but that was very much a blue belt mentality when I was younger. Like when I was getting towards the highest levels. At one point, I was. I'm, well, I, I, say, I say this, and people don't think that I'm talking shit. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say it, and please don't think I'm talking shit. Yeah. From 2010 to 2012, I could be on the on the mat with the best person in the world. Like I was one of the best in the world at, at that. I was at that level. I was one of the the highest level guys, like somewhere in that area is when I peaked, you know? Right. I was like training with this thing called the Zoo, which is like all the professional and, and amateur MMA fighters. And I was like, you know, getting ready to have an MMA fight. I had three MMA fights set up and three MMA fights canceled. The first guy was a, uh, this kid who like, he, we were in the same weight class in college. And, uh, well, no, I'm sorry. He was a little bit lighter than me in college. And I guess like uh, he must've gained some weight to come up to me. And um, it was for a ring of combat. And then we were going to have it at the Tropicana. And so 
when you're an amateur, you don't sign a contract, but you sign like a promise that you're going to fight because they don't want people just backing out of these right. fights. So this first guy, I knew him from college, but we never actually wrestled. And so we were going to fight, and then he just backs out of the fight. I'm like, well, all right, no big deal. It's only a few months of a training camp that I lost. And then it happens again with this uh, organization, New York Fight Exchange. So uh, they set up this fight. This guy is a professional, undefeated Muay Thai fighter <laughs> trying to... Trying to um, trying to cross into MMA and he wants to get a few fights in, and he backs. He doesn't show up to the weigh-ins. Wow! And so I go, I go to the weigh-in, and they're like, "Oh, your guy didn't show up." I'm like, what do you mean? He said, "I thought he was a professional. Like, this is a legitimate fighter," and uh, he just never answered anybody's phone calls. He was scared. He knew what was gonna happen. <laughs> but all the Muay Thai in the world, all these striking arts in the world, and I'm probably gonna get in trouble for saying this, right? The striking arts of the world don't matter when it comes to wrestling and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. If you don't hit that person so perfectly that you knock him out. If you hit a wrestler, he's going to smile at you and take you down, then break something on you. And that was what was going to happen. I was going to take him down. I was going to break his arm, teach him a lesson. That was it. Third so, time it happened. <laughs> the third time it happened was this guy was like, it was like a Facebook war. And it was, do you remember these like things? Yes. These guys were talking shit and they kept tagging me. They were saying, oh, fight. this guy was talking shit. I was like, oh, uh, fight Frank Sforza. This is like 10 years ago. Fight Frank Sforza, fight Frank Sforza. And I'm like, what the, how am I even getting involved? I'm like working. Yeah. You know, how am I even involved in this, right? But he was like talking shit to a guy on my team who was like 40 pounds lighter than him, by the way. Anyway, uh, so this kid's name was Eric Bloodaxe Olsen. If you're listening, Eric. Bloodaxe. You're, oh. you're, you're a bitch. <laughs> if you're listening, just so you know. I don't think he's a fan of the show, but. <laughs> he, he, last time I checked, he lived in Huntington. Into a fight promotion. Sorry for, the, sorry, for the, sorry for the curse. <laughs> the truth is this. So he, he says, he says, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drag your, I'm going to drag your caucus to the pits of hell. And I'm like, really? He goes, I goes, when I'm done with you, it's going to look like a bobcat got to you. I said, oh. And then I go like this. Awfully, I go, weirdly I specific. I know. I said, Dan, I'm going, I'm going to take you down and I'm going to break your arm. And I just left the podcast. That's it. Two weeks later, I find out that he doesn't want to wrestle anymore. You know why? He's going to break his arm. <laughs> how are you going to write your... Right, right. The right arm. What, right or your left? You break left. That's the arm I'm going to break. That was the truth. I was going to take him down. He could punch me if you want to punch me. I'll take a punch. But I was going to take him down. I was going to put him in an arm bar, and then I was going to snap his elbow before the referee stopped me. <laughs> what was the worst that was going to happen? And then, you know, became Mason, and here I am today. So let me, let me ask you then, there's so many symbols in masonry. Mm. Is there one that's specifically with your personality type, which likes to obviously take on something oh, and man. perfect it? Is there something other than, because I'm not going to give you the easy way, oh, out, yeah. other than a square? That was, you know, my first choice was a square? That, other than that. Okay, Oof. is there is there something that you would say? Because this podcast really revolves around um, how younger Masons, not even just new in the craft, we'll just say younger Masons who are still right in the wheelhouse of working, young kids, you know, wife, family obligations. Maybe they've got other obligations, or volunteer firemen, everything. They got you know a million things on their plate. How do we bring this into the world and enjoy Masonry? when you maybe can't go to lodge twice a month and then all the concordant bodies and maybe you go once a month or once every other month how do you you could still enjoy masonry that's where this podcast really tries to show people that you can be and do and enjoy masonry without having to be mm. i'm there twice a week or once every other week or whatever it is is there something that you use a working tool that you use other than the square yeah yeah, that really, this really leads me into something that I wanted to talk about. It really does. Uh, it's, uh, 
it's a little bit of a controversial opinion. It really is. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of people will talk, and I'm not, I'm not saying that my symbol is the cable toe, but a lot of people will talk, will talk about their cable toe. They say, oh, I couldn't make the meeting cable toe. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's not exactly what that means. Cable toe is your ability to answer signs and summonses, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, to go to a meeting, but it's also to like answer a sign or whatever. So it's not exactly what we're talking about. When we talk about like uh, obligation, why I couldn't do these obligations, why I couldn't do a chair, why I can't make it out more than once a month, you know, um, the twenty-four inch gauge. Mm-hmm. Now, now we're talking about a really deep symbol that is like directions straight from the blue book, man, as if it was handed down, you know, like mm-hmm. it's 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 legit. Eight hours service of God, a distressed worthy brother. Eight for work, your usual vocation. Eight for refreshment and sleep, right? Well, start with easy one, right? Refreshment and sleep. You get eight hours for that. That includes sleep. That's not sleep is eight hours, then I can go eat some other time. Right. Your 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 eight hours, your time for a drink, a cigar, anything. Refreshment. Is, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, this one is like interesting because this might be work. Because it's certainly partially work. Or distress worthy brothers. Yeah, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of each this one touches a little bit of each. So that you're in, in that situation, what are you doing? You're actually right. creating time. <laughs> right. You're creating time because you're you're hitting three areas with the same time. It's, yeah, the um, we talked about the twenty four inch gauge uh, two episodes ago, I think. Oh no, I messed you up. And, no, no, that, that's fine. Good, that, that's fine. Because I have listen, a completely different feeling on. It. And listen, that that's that's the beauty of masonry, right? Is that you, brothers can look at we masonry gives people. This is the generic definition of what we think that working tool is supposed to mean. Mm. And we go, okay, here is the direction it's pointing you. You can go as far, interpret as far as you want. As long as you stay within that lane, you're on the right track with it. You know, And apply it as you mean such. As long as you don't lose there's something in law enforcement, you know, the spirit of the law and the letter of the law. Masonry, I felt like for a long time, was very the letter of the law, meaning this is what this means, this is only what this means, and that's it. It's the end of the story. Close the book. There's nothing else to learn. It's not. There's a spirit of the law. There's a spirit of what the tool is trying to teach you, and there's so much more that you can learn just through your own life experiences, not even from another brother explaining it to you. You can just start thinking it on your own. And you will get deeper and deeper and deeper. And then when you have these conversations with other brothers, you know, you, you start to hear other opinions that you're like, you know, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. And now you've got a new way to use that tool, you know, and it's a beautiful thing. For me, for me, when we talk about this 24-inch gauge, you have eight hours for now work, right? How many of us work eight-hour days? I wish. <laughs> See, you don't work at our days, right? I wish. You don't. And it's like, put in your mind. And, and already, because obviously you're not going to quit your job working as a police officer. That's the freaking best job in the world. Well, one of the best jobs in the world. Um, you know, you're going to retire in a few years, and I'm going to be putting potato chips on a shelf, you know? Um, or, or what do you do? I work for the railroad. Yeah, so you're also in a, in a position where you're going to be able to retire one day. But you're probably charged at this point to take all the overtime you possibly can, right? right? So you can make as much money as you can, right? Well, what if I told you that's not exactly what you're supposed to be doing? Eight hours for work leaves. If you take, if you add, if you're doing 10 hours or 12 hours or 14 hours, those hours have to come from somewhere. Where are you taking them from? Right. Are you taking them from your refreshment? Mm-hmm. I hope so. Because mm-hmm. you shouldn't be taking them away from God. 
this this right here, this is service to God. We're talking about Freemasonry, putting it out to the world. This is service to God. When I go to church, it's service to God. When I go and I give a dollar to whatever, the guy on the, on the corner, I'm servicing, I'm service to God. Everything I do, opening the door for a young lady to get to walk into a building or, uh, you know, taking my kid to a game, whatever I'm doing, service to God. So it can't be taken from that. That that's got to be eight hours. Can that work though? Be service to God. I think it can. Why, the way why the way you conduct yourself and the way you conduct your job. Certainly, certainly can, because God knows I do all three at once sometimes. And I'll be I'll be at work, <laughs> at work composing an email for masonry, while uh, <laughs> while letting somebody go ahead of me or something like that. I mean, you also think about it too. Like you could you could be at work, in any of our professions, and. You could run across a coworker or somebody else who's having a bad day and just have a personal conversation with them that lifts their spirits. Now you're at work, but you're 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 at your service to God. Mm. Even though he's not a brother, what if he's depressed? What if he's in a bad mood? What if he's having trouble at home with his wife? And you take a moment just to give him a kind ear to listen to, whether he's a brother or not. I think the the important thing with the twenty four inch gauge is to not become so obsessive in any one of those categories where all of the other ones then suffer to the point where you can't complete them at all. Yeah, that's, that's great to have that great balance. with your martial arts background too, mm -hmm. you know. They want you to be disciplined, but I'm sure there's a point where they'll say you're too obsessive with it and you're going to, you know, neglect your family, oh, neglect certainly. your rec actual work, neglect what, it, like like your sensei said, I don't know, what that's what they call him. Essentially, sensei. He said yeah, you, essentially. You have to pick, you know, there's... You know, a hunter can only pick one path. At the know? time, at the time, my job was school. You right. Know, my job was school. I was a child. I was like, you know, in my first year of high school, you know, when this, when this happened. And it's like, uh, you, martial arts and Freemasonry are, are essentially the same thing. Right, one in the same. You know, they're, they're both, they're both uh, masculine journeys to self-actualization. Just, mm -hmm. just what it is. Like, um, one has a more physical feel to it, and one is like... Closer to spiritual, a spiritual feel to it, you know. Right, and they're teaching, being they're teaching self discipline. Oh, one hundred percent. That's the overarching, like, right? Is a self discipline. Yeah, on absolutely. A, with everything. Sure. Know? So. Sure. But, I mean, that's the entire thing. the 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 ability to be self disciplined is to is to create that that perfect ashlar so that you're able to eventually. I mean, that what I believe is our end all goal is to become one with God again. I, mm -hmm. I believe that there's a there's there's one lack of a better term God that's just we're all a piece of, and we have to reunify ourselves by living these lives to the best of our ability. Freemasonry is supposed to be that path that allows us to be able to raise our consciousness, raise our, our soul's ability to rejoin with with God. And once we all do that, this whole thing ends. Yeah, I, Maybe I, there's something next. Right, well, that's the, ulti that's the ultimate lesson. Right. That's the final lesson of that tool. Of that How do we tool, get there? Right. Be disciplined every day because why? Because there is only 24 hours in a day. But why? Because there's only so many 24 hours blocks in your life. That's right. That's I, the most. Absolutely. That's the ultimate lesson of all of it. Right? The ultimate lesson is that's a great point. Um, I just read. I just read a book on this, bro. Um, not a whole book. It was a little piece of the book on this. But it says that. Uh, it says our days, our hours. Right. These are building blocks that we use to build our temples. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Every day is a block. Crazy. Well, like Never Momento, thought of it that right? way. Momento and I've been Mason almost 10 years. Never thought of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's, and, and to, to touch on the point that you said, right? To, to be one with God, right? God gives selflessly. 
and like in today's day and age, right, where you have the epidemic of quiet quitting. Oh, that's right, right quiet quitting. Right, I'm only gonna do <laughs> just enough mm -hmm. because that's not our generation, though. No, but that's, that's the generation after us. But it's it's still it's still like a cancer in the workplace. Oh, for sure. But you know, just uh, opportunity doesn't always come in the form of a paycheck. And to be one with God is okay. I'm gonna be in there. And if it's taking up my time, I'm going to give as much as I can to the fullest of my potential because ultimately this is my name, right? Mm. This is my legacy. And that's, that's what God is in, in essence. It's just that this is, this is your story, right? To be one with God, give selflessly, and, and hope that at this point, right, we live with hope and, and faith that at, at some point it's all going to pay off. But that, that can be in your day-to-day -day journey. You know, yeah. and that's what I think masonry is 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 so fundamental in in doing because it always has you in that that state of mind in that search, peeling back a layer, and you know it's just like you said it perfect. You know that each hour is is a building block. Right, yeah. we live in a in a very instant gratification world, right? And our generation, like you said, our generation is a very well the generation of Afro. It's more we're yeah. we're the very beginning of it, very I tell very you, yeah. beginning of it, yeah. you know. But we're in a very instant gratification world, and even the brothers that come in, whether no matter what age is, I I get very surprised to see the older gentlemen that join Lodge. They're they're like, when are we gonna get this degree? When do we get that? When are we gonna? Oh no, because I want to join this. And I the last meeting I tried to remind them. I said, listen, like. Masonry is a lifelong thing. Don't rush it. Life is fast enough. Take it. Take your time. It's not going. Well, in the moment, unless you're 95 and you're like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta check off all these bucket list things. You have time in your life, you know, and enjoy it. And when you just power through things, I feel like people don't enjoy it, mm. you know, because there's so much to soak up in masonry and just life in general when you try to rush it. It's like getting you to the destination. It. You don't enjoy the journey, and what's the point? Right. Yeah, that's very. Frank, true. you were gonna say something before. I forgot what I was gonna say. We talked about building building blocks. Yeah, I know. What mean, about. Yeah, meaning. it happens a lot on this podcast. <laughs> we get on something, and then we're like, what were we just talking about? I was listening. I was listening. I lost it, but that's right. Some, some. <laughs> It'll pop some back click. in your head. <laughs> that's uh, those to me. That's God's thoughts. When something organic, because now you're gonna you're gonna give us a piece of you know you're gonna give us a gem that you yourself needed. You know, how many times has that happened? You're giving somebody... Uh, Daily. You know, what's that? Oh, that's you. <laughs> You're giving somebody advice that you, in fact, need. Mm. I mean, I joined Freemasonry because I lacked, like, uh, positive male role models in my life. Like, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to disparage my father. Like, he's a good man. But, um, like, he didn't really want to talk to me a lot, you know? And uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't really a big fan. He liked my little brother better. My little brother was, like, <laughs> not nearly as good looking, but he was, um, he was a better athlete. He's a... Freaking third New York State wrestler, uh, he won the Suffolk County title, which was like a big deal back in the day. He's a really good wrestler, got a full ride to Boston University. So once again, obviously, I was much better looking, but he was a better athlete, right. smarter than me, and my father <laughs> just liked him better, you know. And um, anyhow, I needed positive male role models in my life. I found uh, South Shore Long Beach Lodge, and like these are the guys, like uh, all these. Who thought that someone like me would get along with these old cops and these old uh, retirees and all these great guys who I met over the years? I've met some such incredible men, masonry and grotto, like the the people you meet, they influence you and they yeah. cause you, right. they cause you to, this is the alchemy. 
They cause you to do better. They cause you to bring that self-discipline up, to bring your game up, so to speak, right? So like when you're on the when you're on there, oh, um, we we just had our grand lectures convention. You guys had yours as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was out there. I did the middle chamber lecture, a part of the middle chamber lecture, and during my portion, Richard Kessler cut in and um, started the middle chamber lecture, started doing part of the work, and then gave it back to me, like mm-hmm. like handed the micro, did the piece, and then gave it right back to me. Like so, I would continue. That's like bro. That's like playing baseball with like Don Mattingly. You know, being out there for you know, you're on the you're on that you're out there with Lou Gehrig. Right. You're, you know, the you're out there stage. with the greatest. These are the best guys, and so um, you're like that's that's incredible, and these are the people that we like not only model our lives after, like your, your George Philippidis, your Steve Rubens, these are guys who set a great example for the way to live their life. And that we are, we're out here now and we get to like emulate and what piece of them can I learn from? Where can I help out the next guy? What's the, so yeah, now I'm 40 absolutely. and I got these 20 year olds coming into the lodge. Bro, we're 20 years older than these kids. Right. We now have to be that great example. So you're gonna be the retired law enforcement. You're gonna be the retired guy who might be able to help a guy out with a job or something on the LIR. And me, I'm the kind of guy who smack guy in the back of the head and say, hey, get, straighten up your wings and fly right. But that like, to touch on what you just said, it's like um, a field of dreams moment, right? Like imagine meeting Mickey Mantle in the bar versus having a catch with him on the field or playing with him in a game. Yeah. You know, that's perfect, right? <laughs> it was so cool. You're, you're meeting these guys, and, and they're the best version of themselves because they're in laws, they're in the game, and they're doing what they got to do as opposed to meeting them somewhere else in life where it's a different walk, different circumstance. It's a whole different experience altogether, you know? That's, that's beautiful. And, you know, like even us three, we wouldn't be hanging out here if it, if it wasn't for Mason. I remember how we met. Yeah. You remember how we met? It was uh, well, I, I by the suit, right? Right. Yeah. By by uh, your, my, your father-in-law. My, my brother-in-law's father had a suit shop, and we right. met at the suit shop. Yeah, it's crazy because when I when I first um, was looking, I met Ed. Right, it's Ed. Ed, yeah. He's like, "What are you doing? You getting married?" I said, "No, nah, I just joined a fraternity." He's like, "What fraternity?" Oh, I said. Uh, Freemasonry? Did he? Oh, did he get you with the Gurkha? Are you a Gurkha? Nah, 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 I should make you guys Gurkhas. I should make yeah, you Gurkhas. Yeah. That should be that would be the best. Yeah, let's do it. Let's but do yeah, it. and then he started speaking about you, and then it's just so happened I had popped in there for something else, and then that's when I met you. And yeah. it's like, oh. and bro, like uh, that at that lodge, like I joined a very small lodge, South Shalom Beach. Like you guys are coming, you guys are from a big lodge. Babylon's a big lodge. They obviously have their own building, incredible reputation. They've been there forever. And they're actually, that's the first Masonic experience I ever had was Babylon Lodge. But anyway, um, this is like years ago. And now I'm talking about now how I, how I joined Masonry 10 years ago. Um, I, I joined this small lodge with like nobody. I knew nobody. I just happened to ask a guy. I was at a, ta- I was at a table for my wife. My mother-in-law's was getting a, an award with her work for the blood center. And so um, I'm, I'm sitting at this table and there's a guy across from me. He's wearing a square and compass. His name is Lee Paulette. Lee was like a friend of the family, but he wasn't supposed to be there. They invited wow. they invited the wrong Lee. So he was standing there with the square and compass, <laughs> and I'm asking about masonry. <laughs> it was just, it was too incredible. And then like, so he, he was a mason for like 20 something years. He was raised in Jamaica Lodge, but he wasn't active. Like he right. wasn't an active mason. And so like he passed me off to another brother. So I, I went to this lodge and like, I didn't know anybody. And at the same time, my, my brother-in-law, my now ex-brother-in-law, Rob, um, was like, becoming master of Limerick Massapequa Lodge, much bigger lodge, much, much, very much like Babylon Lodge. In fact, that building in Rockville Center was Massapequa Lodge oh, wow. back in the day, like uh, 100 years ago. Um, so I joined this lodge and I become a steward and I start working my way up the chairs and 
this year I'm masked. But um, I was I, I I did both lodges for all these years. Now you're you're part of a lot. I mean, your 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 Masonic career and accolades. So much, very, so much very, fun, bro. Very impressive. I have so how, much fun. How, how many years have you been a brother? Um, I was raised in 2014, so yeah. almost 10 years. Okay, so I was. We, it was right around the same time, I think. Right, nice. it's crazy. Yeah. But you dive right in. Now, is it when you see something like this? Because I I know the type of guy you are. It's like, what can I bring to this? Well, how how can yeah. I make this better? You're not the type of guy to just pick from the tree. You're you're watering it for years and years before even any fruit comes, or or shade for that matter. What what is like? Where does that come from? Where you just want to you see something and you're like, I could just make this better, bro. That well, that's a that's a. I would say that's like a leadership thing, a CEO mentality. You you know, I grew up in a, I went to Lindenhurst High School. I took leadership education. was like kind of what I think is a, an ROTC program. I thought I was going to just join the military and join the Marine Corps. But they teach you a lot of these like leadership traits and principles that come across. And you read an eternity of these leadership books, you know, John Maxwell, these various books you read. And so um, I had no idea what I was going to do with my life once I found out I couldn't be in the Marines anymore because I'm, I'm death in my left ear mm -hmm. so like I, I couldn't be in the military I couldn't be a police officer either and uh, I was like what am I going to do with my life like how is this going to work out but leadership was the only thing that I like, knew so I went to college for restaurant management and I was like okay let me let me get into the the leadership field in, in some way how am I going to get teenagers to work for me you know yeah, it was like Miller's right you yeah Miller's I, was, right? I was at Miller's yeah. house for a while I go yeah. there a lot. good times <laughs> I, I opened the restaurant in Deer Park oh man that was oh, did you really? that, that was, was a blast that was a blast <laughs> bro that was a blast I had so much fun I used to go there all the time wow and I shouldn't have worked there it was terrible it was terrible, <laughs> it was terrible for the owner yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah so you just do you like seeing something, and not saying any of your lodges are like that, but going into like restaurant management or managing a workforce, seeing it and saying, I can make this noise yeah. into a song? Bro, you have to, everything <laughs> you like, you know, especially South Shore Long Beach Lodge, like that place, for instance. I don't want to talk bad about these guys. It's to, not, you know what it is? It's not, it's, it. it's not, <laughs> you know what it is? It's not. It's tough love at some point. It is tough love. Uh, you know, Danny and I, oh, God, it's how many times have we done this in our lodges? Like, we, you know, you got the old guys that remember how things used to be done. You know, they remember, right. this is how we've always done it, this is how we've always done it, but we've said to them a million times, like, listen, like, just because we did this 25, 30 years ago, it's not, the formula changed. You can't, as long as there's a rule saying you can't, then why not? Absolutely right. It's, it's too exhausting you know, dealing you deal with a lot. Of, you were master, and you're a master, a master now. four times. So now you know. I mean, you obviously know. And Daniel, I've been master half the time I've been a mason. Right? Isn't and, that nuts? Yeah, it's crazy. That should crazy, sound crazy bro. to you. That is crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. I did two years. I did two years, and then I slid into the secretary spot. That's and, crazy. Um, during COVID. Yeah. So together. forever. Yes, yeah, so I now, slid into the secretary spot forever. For the rest of my yeah. life, thirty-eight years old. I got another. Nice. Oh man, I got another terrible. 50, 60 they, years yo, they, ago. They back now with you. <laughs> they got you. That's wonderful. Wow! Congratulations, Babylon Lodge. <laughs> to all the brothers there, you're very, you, got, you, you guys, you guys are doing it right. <laughs> Way to be. But you know, it was, it was. I said to them, I was like, listen, like, we got it. We got to try new things. Got to try. You're not changing masonry by the changing the way we communicate, changing the website, changing. You know how you how you present the degree, not changing the degree, changing how it's presented. Mm. You know you're not you know, and, that, and it's I messed around a little bit. I yeah, messed around you, you got to mess around a little bit, yeah. and it's and it's you're just changing 
the initiatic experience you gotta push those so limits, big. We live in a world where guys, everything, you watch anything, like Michael Bay films, everything's exploding. It's mm-hmm. hyper. There's a, so much stimulus in our world. And, I mean, TikTok and Instagram is a perfect example of it. There's just hyper-stimulated input into our brains. And if masonry isn't able to produce that in person you're not going to get younger brothers because that's what grabs them, okay? That's the hook, all right? To keep the hook in, the barb... That's the grotto. The, bar, the, the barb <laughs> is, yeah. is grotto and and what we teach you. The hook's got to be that initial, like, wow. We, we, you we need could, to have that wow. We definitely, you know, have a problem where we're just trying to get through the degree perfectly, right? Mm-hmm. We focus that... But that's but for us. We, but we forget. They, they don't know. Right. If you forget, mess up a word here or there. Exactly. We forget that this is really for the initiates or the guys coming through. And if, you know, just getting through it, we forget that this is a lifetime memory. This is somebody's stamp, mm-hmm. time yep. stamp. Forever. You know, one of my favorite degrees is always the first because this is these um, candidates' first experience into masonry. And, you know, they might not necessarily have. They might have an idea based on whatever they've seen on TV or what they've read upon, but this is the real deal. Now you're in the big leagues. Hell yeah. I'm doing a master's work Wednesday, South Shore Long Beach Lodge. Okay. If anybody wants to come through. There you go. First degree of masonry. <laughs> this Wednesday? This Wednesday. Ah, that's right. You guys meet on the same night as we do. Yep. Now, t- um, touching back, though, on something Frank said before um, we started filming. It's very unfortunate. Was that you were a little bit nervous, which is, for me, I was mind-blowing. Like, because you always have your stuff together. Well, I am a nervous person. Like, I, I cover it up kind of well. Uh-huh. But the truth is, it's all fraud. <laughs> nah, <laughs> it's not fraud. Like, I, uh, I, try to, I try to portray myself as being, like, super confident, like, over the top. Like, I always want to be the best at everything I do. And it's true. I do want to win. But that's partially because, it'll, it, like, people leave you alone when you're the best. You know, they don't want to mess with you. Like, hey, this guy might choke me. I'm not going to mess with him. But isn't that, there's, there's beauty in that, though, that, you know, the fact that you just said what you said and you you allowed us to take a peek into that because, you know, sometimes guys feel that way, mm. but they don't have that other alter ego <laughs> because that's also an element of your character. My therapist can be very proud. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, to, to say, wow, Frank, Frank is godly to me, right? Because I know a lot of guys in your circle look at you. I see the way they look at you and they're like, they want to emulate that. And... To say, wait a minute, this guy, this guy gets nervous. Like to hear Michael Jordan right. getting nervous, you exactly. know, that's that's something that you know to give insight. Well, well, yeah. bro, once the G, once the G gets involved, that's it's it. nuts, especially with the ritual. Right. I I, I really believe this. I'm sorry, I keep touching your hand, bro. Okay, no, it's, no, cool. it's, it's cool. It's cool. My bad. <laughs> it's it's my thing. There's no touching below the knee. Yeah, no touch I thought below. that was uh, a, no touching uh, below the knee. I thought that was a 99 <laughs> degree. Uh, <laughs> One of the funniest things. It's your 98 yeah, degree. Did anybody, did anybody's father ever tell you when you're taking out their daughter? Neck and knees. Did you guys ever hear that? Neck and knees. Mm-mm. No, nothing no. between the neck and knees. <laughs> That's my shit, man. I was like, yeah, I understand, sir. Have a good day. They never told me that I was always. And now I forgot what I was gonna say again. Oh <laughs> no, no, but you were saying get nervous, um, get nervous, yeah, get, get nervous. nervous. Shoot, was, the G. It's about the yeah, G, right? There you go. So, like, I, I really believe this. Once you start getting good at the ritual, and once you start like, you take it responsibly. The past masters, the spirits that are in that lodge room, right. the egregore, so to speak. That's a like like some people have different um, different uh, thoughts of what the egregore is. I believe it's created from all of us doing this masonic work. Um, whatever that that spirit, so in Christianity they call it the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. Whatever that is that motivates you, that that, that kind of takes over. When you do that ritual, when you start doing it right, 
something takes over you oh, and you're just a you're just a, a tool bro you're mm-hmm. a vessel you're so radio you gotta do the work in. you gotta do the work but it's a privilege to do that work and so um you're like your body is taken you are now possessed <laughs> so to speak <laughs> definitely gonna pay for that right my man <laughs> definitely pay for that oh yeah. you are possessed so to speak and you're uh like you're delivering this beautiful ritual and you're like what did i just say i have no idea what i just said bro it's it's just muscle memory on the physical and spiritually it's not coming from you you're a vessel isn't it crazy when you're looking at ritual and you're going over it and you're like man this is a lot. It's going to take forever, and you're rehearsing. Bro. But then the night of the degree, you're like, did I did I hit every spot? I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> All the past masses are like this. They're like, wait, they're searching they're the like, blue book. Yeah, Son yeah, of a bitch. like this. I wish I could. I, I want to get them so bad. They're like, you didn't hold that <laughs> comma long the, enough. You right, got right. all the... <laughs> Frank, a... next time, could you... I was perfect. Move along. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> Uh, we liked everything you did, but your top coat button was that's undone. It, that's it. That's right. it. Unacceptable. <laughs> the, the, light, had, yo, the light flickered. Do you know, I had a past master come up to me and tell me one time, oh, you're, you got to have the bottom button on your vest undone. I'm like, no, you don't. He goes, yeah, you got to have it undone. It's the style, bro. Trust me, it's the style. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, you're right. It's the jacket. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's bro, trying to tell me about things you don't know. I'll show you how to tie a bow tie. <laughs> that's tough. You got to show me that one. I, I need to learn how to, how to do that. It's, oh, that's something tying a bow tie is easier than tying a regular tie. It's it like actually tying, is, yeah. It's like tying your shoelace. Really? It's not so bad. It's literally like tying your shoelace, yeah. It's not so bad. But we'll, uh, we'll take a little break right now. We're at an hour, so... That was an hour? Yeah. That was an hour. I mean, we don't have to be done. We can film another episode. So thank you all for joining us on the Fourth Part Podcast. Safe travels.